Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. My name is Tiana Fesh. I'm a mom of three, an educator, a course development consultant, and a lifelong learner. Teaching and learning can take place anytime, anywhere, and in a multitude of ways. The range of knowledge and skills to teach and to learn about are truly limitless. But at the heart of all teaching and learning experiences are the people. The People Teaching People podcast is the place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives. How we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Let's talk teaching and learning together. Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. This episode was suggested to me by a few people. I was asked, why don't you have an episode where someone interviews you? The reason this would be a way for people to get to know you better and to learn more about you and your story. So I want to say a huge thank you to Lindsay Berry for offering to be the interviewer for this role reversal episode. Lindsay Berry has been an instrumental part of turning mere ideas into viable businesses for many women entrepreneurs. In 2019, Lindsay launched a marketing school and community called YYC Fempreneurs. She has gone to the next level with publishing six books educating women. Lindsay tirelessly shares her passion for social media marketing and promotes collaboration with like-minded women through online workshops and live events in the Calgary area. Hundreds of women have found the direction, confidence, and connections they need to succeed thanks to Lindsay and her community of fempreneurs. Lindsay enjoys her me time in the middle of nowhere, swimming in a creek, sitting by a campfire with a beer in her hand, or mountain biking. She loves watching her son play football and hockey. On most afternoons, she can be found taking a 20 minute nap. And before we dive into Lindsay and my conversation, I thought I would share my bio as well. So I'm a mom of three boys who are 17, 15 and 12 years old. And I'm an educator and lifelong learner with a diversity of experience in the field of education, including curriculum development, classroom teaching, and inclusive education. I spent four years as a sessional instructor in the Workland School of Education at the University of Calgary. And in 2021, I received an Excellence in Practicum Supervision Award. Currently, I am an academic engagement facilitator at SAIT, helping to create collaboration opportunities among the research centers and academic schools in order to increase student engagement with applied research. Through my book, Online Course Creation 101, a step-by-step guide to creating your first online course and my business, Tiana Fesh Consulting, I use a relationship-centered approach to help businesses create and optimize learning experiences that inspire, engage, and connect with their clients, customers, and communities. Of course, I'm also the host of this podcast, the People Teaching People podcast, which is the place to talk about all things teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. And on that note, let's dive into this conversation where 
the roles are reversed. So thanks for joining me, Lindsay, today. This is all very crazy and strange for me because the roles are completely reversed and you're going to be the interviewer and I'm going to be the interviewee. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm excited. I have so many questions for you. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) And I have no idea what they are. No. Well, I had the pleasure of meeting your lovely parents not that long ago. And so I have a lot of questions just around how they managed to raise such a wonderful human. And I guess just some of the things that you saw growing up from your parents and some of the the challenges that you saw them face and some of the things that you just, that you learn from them and maybe other mentors, maybe, you know, grandparents, aunts, uncles. Like, I'm just curious to know about little Tiana, little girl Tiana, because that's something I've never really asked you much about before. That's a big question. But, <laughs> and I do love that you met my mom and dad. That was really, that was pretty special because my parents haven't necessarily met a lot of people connected to this side of my life. And you've been a really important person in my journey as, as a friend and source of inspiration and as a mentor. So that was pretty special for me. Okay. So little Tiana, <laughs> I would say growing up and looking at my parents and my relationship with them and kind of reflecting back on it. Because I think, you know, when you're growing up, sometimes you have certain ideas about things. And when you look back in retrospect, your thoughts about them are a little bit different. Like I, I felt like my parents were the strictest parents in the neighborhood. But in <laughs> retrospect, when I think about how I feel about some things with our own kids, like they were not strict at all, actually. So, but my mom and dad were always very generous with something I would say I noticed in them. They were always looking for ways to help and to make a difference. So sometimes my brother and sister and I got would get roped into some of the volunteer <laughs> things that they would get involved in, but or other times they would come and volunteer, you know, on class field trips or my mom and a friend of hers did a presentation um, when I was in elementary school all about what was actually garbage. So they came and they dumped out after lunchtime, one of the garbage cans at the school and like sorted through it and showed us what was still edible or what could have been composted. Like, and I was, you know, I'm 45. So this is back when recycling and composting weren't such a big thing. And here my mom is picking through the garbage can at school. And then my, like my dad traveled a lot growing up But, and so he would be away on weekends and stuff like that. So he would take days off during the week in lieu. And on some of his days off, if we had a field trip, he would volunteer. So yeah, they were always, I felt very generous. And the other thing, and I hope that, I feel like that's rubbed off on me, but you know, sometimes you look at people that you admire and look up to and you feel like you could never quite live up to those standards. Maybe. But I, I do enjoy giving back and do try love trying to look for opportunities to be generous. And then the other thing too, is that they were just really good people. What would be the best way to say it? Like just very good at relationships and getting to know people. So as a young person, 
at times it was a little bit embarrassing because my dad would talk to everybody. So we'd be going to the grocery store and he would start a conversation with the the person at the checkout or yeah, he was always looking to find ways to engage and get to know people. So as a teenager, I was like, come on, can't we just, you know, go? Why do we have to talk to everybody? But I see, especially now and then in getting older, how it was really just about, you never know the stories that people have and you never know what impact you can have in just even the smallest of interactions. My dad worked downtown and there was a coffee shop, a second cup in their building. The ladies at second cup would buy my dad birthday presents. (laughs) So he just really, and my mom as well, were really good about connecting with and getting to know people. So I would say that rubbed off on me. And the one other thing that sometimes was hard to understand as a kid, just because there are those pressures as a teenager about, you know, dressing a certain way or having certain things or trying to fit in. But my parents really were more about experiences versus things. And mm-hmm. I that is a big part of our family. And I would say one of our family values as well. So we, I mean, they weren't super exotic, like overseas adventures that we have, but we did a lot of things together and time together experiencing things, be it camping or going to Disneyland or with having three kids in our family for every birthday, we would get a special time with each our mom and dad because it's hard to get that one-on-one time when you're one of three. Those are all things that have translated into my own family. So we do birthday special times with our kids and traveling and experiences are really important more so than the stuff. So I would say those are some of the the lasting impressions that I got from my mom and dad as a little person. Right. And where are you in the birth order with your siblings again? I'm the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> so I say that I'm I'm the fave, but I was really only the fave until my brother came along. Then there's two of us. So yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm the so oldest. So I'm older than girl. my brother by two and a half years. And then my sister is four and three quarter years younger than me. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because I'm the oldest as well. And I have a middle brother and a younger sister as well. So I, I thought that was how you were as where you like, I thought we had that in common. And I do think that you give off a bit of a eldest child vibe, which is good. I think, you know, the work that the work that you do requires strong leadership skills. How did your parents respond to you saying that you wanted to be a teacher? Or like, was that even just something that you knew from a really young age? Like, how did you know you wanted to teach? Yeah, so I decided I wanted to be a teacher when I was seven. Because <laughs> I had an awesome teacher. And so I thought, you know, she was just amazing. I loved everything about her. She just made us feel so welcome in her classroom. It was such a fun place to learn and to be. And so I thought, I'd like to be a teacher. And my parents really let us choose our own path. So sometimes that could feel like a tricky thing when, you know, you kind of, in certain situations, wish that somebody just would tell you what the right thing is to do or to provide some more direction. But we, like one of my dad's favorite lines is, was who owns the problem. So when we made a choice or decision, 
like the consequences of that good or bad are ultimately ours. So my parents never told me what to do or really said, you know, becoming a teacher like was a bad idea or a good idea. Like they just were supportive of, you know, whatever path we were interested in taking, which is good. Yeah. And so I, I kind of stuck to the teacher path and I did think I wanted to be an elementary school teacher and I had a couple of practicums in an elementary school and had worked a lot with children like in summer camps and different volunteering things, but realized actually that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to work with older kiddos. So my undergraduate, like my first degree is in science. So I was really passionate about science and I felt in elementary, you're more of a generalist. So I wanted to combine my love of teaching with my love for science. And so I thought like at the higher grade levels, you're more specialized in what you teach. And so I shifted the route that way. But when I look at what my mom and dad do, so my, or did in their careers, like my mom was a social worker. My dad worked in community development. So they both had elements of teaching to the work that they did, which is mm. interesting. I mean, teaching and learning is a big part of so many things, but that was definitely a part of the work that they did. And yeah, that was kind of the path that I took and I just sort of stuck to it. And then How they share about like their roles in their day-to-day work that they did in their careers with you kids like did they talk about their work they were doing every day and the kinds of things they were dealing with the challenges they were facing the people they were like did they talk because I know a lot of parents don't so I'm just curious to talk much about that at home I would say a bit like my mom is a social worker there are lots of things I know she didn't tell us about because there are some really heavy troubling things. So she did a variety of things in her career with social work, but a lot of stuff with abusive men and women who are abused. So there's a lot of things there that we didn't talk about in great detail, but I had a good sense in general terms. And Mm. then with my dad, as a kid, I didn't get his job because a lot of my friends, you know, their dad might be like an engineer or an accountant or something that just would make a little bit more sense. And I understood like what's community development, public relations. So mm-hmm. I understood that as my dad talked on the phone and drank coffee. I don't know. I didn't really get what it was. But yeah, he he did talk about his job too. I don't I wouldn't say I knew all like the nuanced details of what he did, but it was he was basically the liaison between a community and the oil and gas company that he worked for. So an oil and gas company would be drilling in a community. And so he would be meeting with the the community stakeholders and kind of sharing about what would be happening in terms of what the oil and gas company was doing and then hear what the community's concerns were and some of the things that would be helpful for them to be able to move forward with confidence. What were their concerns? And so he was like that liaison between the two. And at times there were some tricky situations that can happen because yes, (laughs) with an oil and gas company, not everybody is happy and then problems Mm -hmm. can arise. And so he would, he would have to troubleshoot that. But both my mom and dad are very good listeners. Mm -hmm. And so I would say in both of their 
careers. In some of the stories they would talk about, like that was a big part of what they would share because they were both dealing with situations that there could be a lot of tension and conflict and distrust. And yeah, they both really had to be good listeners and actually really hear what people are saying in order to do the work that they did. Yeah. And I know you, you talked a bit about your favorite teacher, you know, a number of times I've heard you share different versions of that story and different elements of it. But I think that listening to understand versus listening to respond thing is really prevalent in, in just some of the things I've heard you say. And then when I met your parents, I was kind of like, Oh, this makes sense. Like, like you said, your dad, he's very, he very, he's trying to understand. He wants to understand what you're saying. He's listening intently. He, cause he cares. He's curious. He seems like a very naturally curious person. So when you were talking about him in the grocery store or wherever you are as a teenager and he's chatting away with everybody, like I, I just, like my dad was very much like that too. Always very curious about people. Like, where are you from? And what do you do? And, and never seemed like he was just on autopilot, just saying the, the right things. He was curious, like genuinely curious. And I know for you teaching in the, the way that you teach with the work that you do now, I've heard you say that before, like how to be a good teacher is, is being genuinely curious about your students and what they need and, and building that relationship and that relationship based approach So other than your parents, and I guess your favorite teacher, are there other people in your life that have embodied that and really taught you that, you know, as, I guess, by example? Mm -hmm. Well, so I really feel like there's this Adam Grant quote that I talk about all the time, but he, in essence, it's what if we always thought about the fact that we could learn something from everybody that we meet? And I feel like... I learn something from every single person that I meet. And I try to really stay open to that. So even if a situation isn't the most positive, I, I once the emotional piece of it sort of dies down, I think, what can I learn from that interaction? Or what did that experience with? Or what did that person teach me? So I would say another person that had a huge impact on me as a, as a teacher, as a mentor in sort of the example that they set is my grandma. Mm. And my grandma was just a person that always made you feel welcome. And like, you could tell her anything and everything. And she also, you know, was honest. Like she shared stories and really spoke honestly and openly about her feelings. And I think I learned a lot from her, largely in terms of the type of person that she was. So she always like made time for me. She, again, like my mom and dad, like actually listened to what I had to say. She answered my 50 million questions. And yeah, so she would be a person that definitely had has had a lasting impact on me. And I think about all the time in the stuff in the work that I'm doing. She just was all about relationships, very heart-centered and caring. And yeah, just an overall good human being. As far as other people, I mean, I've been lucky to have had a lot of great teachers in my journey. I would say a teacher that I had, 
as an older student. So I went away um, for grade 12, first year university. I got a scholarship to go to a school called Lester B. Pearson College of the Pacific on Vancouver Island. So it was an international school with 200 kids from, I think, 86 or 87 different countries. And I felt really intimidated there. And actually, the first half of the first, my first year there, especially, very homesick. And I felt like I didn't belong because it felt like people there were just like way smarter than me. And what was I doing there? I felt so intimidated. My English teacher, who I had my second year, his name was Jeffrey. And he believed in me more than I believed in myself. And I think sometimes the best teachers are those that really see you who for, see you for who you are and recognize the potential within you and help you to find that within yourself. Mm. I felt every word that came out of his mouth about things that we were reading just blew my mind. Like I just wanted to soak it all in. But he, so one of the things we had to do for our final exams was an oral exam. So we literally had a piece of paper. So we went and sat in a room by ourselves. It was an excerpt from a piece of text that we had studied in class. We had to flip it over. And I think we had 30 minutes to prepare a 20-minute talk on the piece of text. So, I mean, I'd studied and prepared as best I could, but I was so nervous. And then you sat across from your teacher. So I sat across from Jeffrey and did my presentation to him. And it got recorded on a cassette and sent away to, I don't know, some central location and then distributed because I did the international baccalaureate program. So someone somewhere else in the world marked it. But after I was done, he said to me, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to let you listen to what you had to say. And it was right near the beginning of the exam period. And it was, I don't know how many rules like that broke, but I listened to it and I, I realized that I actually knew what I was talking about. And, you know, all along the way, he had given me great feedback, but I could really see it was this journey of him supporting me to find that belief in myself that he saw in me. Mm. So as, yeah, as far as sort of a teacher later in life, he would be one for sure. And then the other big one I would say is our kids. <laughs> because, I mean, when I became a mom, I don't know how you felt, but I felt like I had no idea what I was doing and why were they sending me home from the hospital with this human being? <laughs> because clearly I did... I was not ready. I didn't know. And, you know, every day is a learning experience with our, our kids. And I find the questions they ask, the things that they do or don't do, the experiences we share really help me to learn and grow. So yes, I'm their mom and I'm giving them, you know, direction and guidance and support, but I also learn so much from them. So be it like subject specific, like our 12 year old is way smarter than me and all things science, technology, engineering, math. I don't understand what he's saying half the time. So it's that piece, but it's also just their perspectives on the world and really getting me to look inward on the what I'm doing and the why I'm doing it. 
And I think one of the things that they've taught me too is I look at them and I mean, our kids, they're facing these new experiences all the time. Mm -hmm. There are so many new things that they are faced with. So new classrooms, new teachers, they join a new team, they're learning new skills. Like they're in that uncomfortable learning space a lot. As adults, yeah, we're in, we can be in those uncomfortable spaces, but not as much as you are when you're a young person, I feel, for the most part. And they're sort of the way that they navigate navigate those different difficult experiences and overcome their hurdles and advocate for themselves and, and sort of, you know, struggle at times and then find those successes. Like it really inspires me as I face the, you know, new experiences and comfortable things and stuff that I think as an entrepreneur, you come up against quite a bit. But also when you sort of change what you're doing in your work like life every two to five years as I do. <laughs> yes, two to five. If I'm coming up on that five year mark and I can feel it and I'm like, oh yeah. My son's gonna graduate soon too. So like there's gonna be some big changes happening in my world this next year. I just know it, but I don't know what that all looks like yet. But I do remember like you said, coming home from the hospital with this tiny little baby and being like I had him on a Tuesday and by Friday, my son's dad, he was like, so let's like go home. And I was like, no, there's nurses here. I can call for help if I need it. And he's just like, yeah, but you don't really seem like you need help. And I was like, but I like knowing I have it. (laughs) Like, I don't want to drive away from all of this help and then go home where there's no help. And so he was kind of like, eh, yeah, there's no like actual reason to stay here though. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, but we figure these things out. But I also remember having that tiny little baby and thinking like, you know, okay, I'm going to be 41 when my son graduates. And then I guess my life is going to really just like, that's going to be where I kind of take off and do the things that I'm going to do. Cause I had my son super young. So I think anyways, just, I just think that that's, that two to five year thing is a real thing. I'm, I think five years for me of doing something the same way. It's like, it's, that's too long. So it's time for some changes. And that's what I want to ask you about is you went into teaching as you had originally wanted to when you were seven and you worked as a teacher for a while. And then you sort of started to transition into different forms of teaching. So tell us about how those doors opened or those opportunities arose that you said yes to. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of a weird feeling to have wanted to do something since you were seven. And then all of a sudden you get to a point, you're like, I don't know if this is working for me still. So now what? And massive identity identity change in becoming a mom. And then, yeah, so we had two children and already I was starting to think, hmm, like how is this going to work with two kids and childcare and teaching and my Husband was an assistant principal at the time and is now a principal, so he doesn't have a lot of flexibility in his day. And so I did teach in between our first two kids as a job share, which was crazy busy, but worked actually quite well. And Mm -hmm. so I avoided going back to work and went back to university (laughs) for two years and did my master's degree, which I loved. But during that time, I was already starting to think about what else. And then also during that time, I got pregnant again with our third. So 
already I'm thinking, okay, now there's another human coming into the mix of our family. So now what? So I got, I just tried to get really curious. So just started paying attention to what was out there, started having conversations with people and sharing a little bit about what I thought my perfect job would be. And so just started to kind of put some feelers out. And when I was doing my master's degree, I don't even remember exactly how, but I was making phone calls and finding out about new teacher mentorship in Alberta because I just felt like there wasn't enough support for new teachers. And through that, I got to know somebody who worked with Alberta Learning. And during my master's, I got invited to be a member at large. So basically a volunteer on a committee to write a policy proposal on new teacher mentorship for Alberta. So I would take the bus, the Greyhound bus, or maybe I switched over to the Red Arrow, but I would take the bus up to Edmonton for the day. So I'd leave at like six in the morning and then come home in the evening. My last trip was when the tray would no longer go down because my stomach was so, I was so pregnant at the time. But Tim Stensland that I met while doing my master's and who was chairing this committee, when I resigned from teaching, so I made that decision. I was just like, this is not feeling like it's going to be a fit putting three kids in childcare. This just isn't going to work for me right now. Resigned. And then in October of that year, I was picking up kids from school and we were at the playground at Woodbine Elementary. I got a call from Tim and he said, I think I have the perfect job for you. And so I worked in that job for two years. So creating, I wrote two high school level courses for junior achievement in the Calgary Board of Education, one on the entrepreneurial artist and one, it was the entrepreneurial trades. So the business of the trades, skilled trades and the business of the fine and performing arts. So I knew nothing about business, nothing really about fine and performing arts, nor the trades, but I consulted with people who did and created these programs. And then it just, you know, continued to send me down this path of being curious. So really just every job that I got and every new thing I tried was all from being curious (laughs) and putting it out there to the world, learning about the type of work that people did, just paying attention and getting to know people's stories. So yeah, I worked with little kiddos with developmental delays for a year and a half. I taught at the University of Calgary for four years. I worked with another nonprofit helping with course development. And then, yeah, people kept asking me about helping them with their courses and learning experiences. So then my consulting business was born. And now I'm doing that along with working at SATE with the research side of SATE and getting more students engaged in applied research with Applied Research Innovation Services at SATE. Yeah, so it's just been a lot of relationships, being curious, asking questions, being open, and yeah, really just thinking that, well, and just believing and embodying the fact that we can learn something from every one we meet and really thinking about with what I know and can do, how can I help other people and how can I make a difference? And in that journey, I got to meet you. who's been also an incredible source of inspiration and support and always someone who leads by example and empowers people to empowers and encourages and supports people to step outside of their comfort zone in so many ways. So you've been a big part of my journey this last little while. And I was thinking back to how we connected 
And it was Jessica Velasquez asked me to do an Instagram live with her. And it was my very first one ever talking about my ideal, I think, office space. And she had asked you as well. And that's how we connected. Is that how I ended up on the other podcast you had? Yes, yeah. Okay. I was wondering because I, I knew that we had connected and you were like, let's do a podcast interview, but I couldn't remember how Jessica Velasquez. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. It's so interesting the way that we build community and get to know people. And yeah, I'm grateful that we both just happened to be yeah. part of what she was doing. And then from that, connected and it's been a lot of fun to get to know you yeah and that episode is on my podcast the Femprinter podcast back in probably the first 50 or so episodes it's somewhere in there I should I should actually find that for if you want to add it into the show notes for this episode because that was like our first one so right and to think about how much we have both changed in a way right Mm -hmm. and then yeah like what that conversation ultimately led to, which is all yeah. kinds, all kinds of crazy. Cause I started, yeah, my podcast will be four years old in February, even though it's gone through like a rebrand evolution. But yeah, I started my podcast in 2020. When did you start yours? I think mine was 2020 as well. I, it might've been late 2019, but I'm pretty sure it was 2020. And then I did have a bit of a, I think it was like seven or eight month hiatus from it where it was just too much. And I was doing everything the hard way, but didn't realize it. And then I went back to the drawing board and found ways to cut corners and hired a a gal to help me with it. And so then I, you know, and then now it's been going strong ever since, but I do have, you know, Laura now produces it. She's been producing it for over a year now, which has been awesome, but we've also figured out how to do it really easy peasy and cut all the corners But yeah, your first podcast, I was hoping you would share a bit of that sort of transition story around you. Why did you start that podcast, the original one? What was it called? Why did you start it? And then I guess just kind of go into the story of how you decided to, to kind of morph it into what it is now. Yeah, so I thought podcasts are really interesting. And so I said, I think I want to do a podcast. And as you know about me, if I say I'm going to do something, then typically that's what I do. Yeah, so I there there happened to be a, a mastermind opportunity with uh, a woman by the name of Sabrina Greer, who was kind of willing to lead a group of us through how to start a podcast. And so I was like showing up for every session and trying all the things. And I wanted what I had found is in being a mom and in sort of navigating that motherhood work journey, that it wasn't something I found people were really talking about. So you would, I would just kind of look at what people were doing and they seemed to have it all together and all figured out. And because I knew that, you know, the teaching mom thing for me wasn't going to work There was like some guilt associated with that because I saw a lot of other moms who were teachers and it was working for them. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to work full time and I didn't want to be at home full time. Like I wanted something. So it was just trying to figure that out. And as I said, a lot of my, well, all of my opportunities came from talking to people. So starting to get, you know, brave and having those conversations and putting it out there in terms of what I wanted to do. And when... Once I sort of started having those conversations, I realized 
that other people were also feeling uncertain and other people also had really interesting stories about their own uncertainty and feelings and how things had shifted for them when they became moms and how they sort of navigated from that. So I'm like, it would be so helpful to have a platform or a way to just really keep, you know, get these conversations going and share these great ideas that all these amazing moms have. And I'm all about like big borough steel. People have great ideas and you can take it or leave it, but like find what works for you. So that's kind of how it started. And it actually, I started at the perfect time because 2020, the whole world shut down. And here I had this opportunity to sit down and have these amazing conversations with people. And I appreciate those conversations so much. It's somebody giving me, you know, an hour of their time and, you know, sharing all kinds of amazing things like their stories, their expertise, their insights. Like it was the greatest gift ever. And so many times I just had to pinch myself that this person was actually, you know, willing to sit down with me and chat with me about things. So once I started my consulting business, so I think I was like two, almost two years into my podcast, it those conversations were important, but, you know, things evolve and our kids are getting older and it just felt out of alignment with everything else that I was doing and, and really focusing on in terms of my business, which had I'd really shifted into teaching and learning and, and consulting as a learning development consultant and teaching at the University of Calgary in the Faculty of Education. And so I wanted to... I was feeling kind of all over the place and just needed to be a little more focused. And I love a lot of the things that I was talking about and discussing in my the older version of my podcast, like carries on today. But yeah, I just wanted to shift it to talk a little bit more specifically about teaching and learning versus the mom work juggle, but there's still lots of room for stories and sharing and wisdom and advice and really thinking about how teaching and learning plays a role in our lives and in the work we do and, and mm -hmm. just in our day-to-day -day lives. So yeah, I shifted the focus and yeah, it's been really exciting. And like yourself, I now have somebody in January, it will have been for two years helping me, not with everything, but with editing the podcast and pulling quotes and audiograms and videograms and show notes. And because having a podcast is a lot of work. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. And it's like you said, you have to be the kind of person that's super curious and gets and gets so much out of those conversations. Because if you don't feel that way, the podcast is not going to fill your bucket. It's not going to feel good for you. And I've, I've known some people that I know a lot of people that have started podcasts and have stopped them. And, and I mean, I was there too. I found ways to make it a lot less work, but it has to just be part of your natural curiosity. I think like if you're not really truly curious about people, what makes them tick, the things they've been through, it's yeah, a podcast just isn't going to be a long term thing because it's, it's too much work. You have to really feel fulfilled from that work. Otherwise, it's like, well, why am I doing this? Because, like, yeah, I want to do nice things for other people. But, you know, I want to be a good servant. But 
if I'm like, let's be honest, human nature, right? If we're not getting anything out of it on a fulfillment level, we're not going to keep doing it or we're going to do a crappy job <laughs> mm. and people are going to tell us to stop doing it. So there is that, there is that. And <laughs> I mean, I see in you so much curiosity so I can, I always love the questions that you ask people and how you so clearly and authentically want to get to know people. Like I think, well, I know that's one of the reasons why people are so drawn to you because you are who you are and you genuinely care about people and you are really curious about their stories. So I, I really love your podcast. I think you do a really oh, great job. Thanks. Yeah. And your, your, your shift into the people teaching people podcast, I think was really timely and yeah, really in line with who you are. And, and I mean, I, I get it, the motherhood jungle, like, you know, that was cool. Like the juggling, you know, I liked it, but I, I, I'm my son's similar age to your children. So I was also kind of transitioning out of that phase where I don't really find that, to that topic very interesting anymore, like naturally for myself. So I was kind of moving away from that too, where it's like, oh, well, my kid has grown up seeing me work and knowing that I create all these things and that I take risks and this is not new information or very exciting anymore. And so I'll, you know, I've got some episodes about things like that too back there. And you have an entire podcast of, you know, however many episodes about that topic. So, and that's the other cool thing about podcasts is right. Like all those episodes are going to live on the internet forever. <laughs> People can always go and get all those good, those good nuggets and, and learn from that stuff. You don't have to continue with the same, you know, brand and topic and niche audience, we can kind of move away from it. But it's a creation that lives on forever, which is so cool. It is so cool. And initially, I initially a little frightening. I think that was my, <laughs> I don't know how you felt when you start. I mean, you're so good at showing up on social media <laughs> and and sharing your stories and what you're doing. I'm a little more like, I think I'm more reserved. <laughs> um, well, and that's why we're doing this today yeah. because you need to be in the spotlight. More. <laughs> and, and I appreciate the nudge. So thank you. Yes. And, but what I, yeah, I felt a little nervous about you create something, something, and then it's out there forever. So, oh yeah. my gosh, people are actually going to listen to this. <laughs> but then also conversely, what if nobody listens, you know, when you pour your heart and soul. So yeah. it's like, it can be a little bit of that. But yeah, I, I like my very first guest of my podcast was my sister and she has a different last name. So I just didn't refer to her as my sister. <laughs> yeah. And we had, a, we had a great chat actually. So yeah, it was, and then it just sort of evolved over time to have, yeah, interesting conversations with people that weren't in my family. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So one of the questions that I always ask on my podcast is what would you tell your 10 year younger self? Like 10 years ago, Tiana, you're talking to her. What would you tell her? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was 35. <laughs> Carter was two. That's our youngest. I think I would say to myself, you don't have to be completely ready. You don't have to have it all figured out in advance. And you know more than you think you do. I think women tend to, under, we tend to underestimate ourselves a little bit. And I mean, I hear talk about, actually, I was just listening to a recording of a session I wasn't able to attend live. And it was Vivian Kay, who's 
a very successful business owner here, Canadian business owner. And she talks about like, what would Chad do? So saying like this guy, Chad, he looks at the list of criteria for a role and he meets like one out of five. So he's like, I can totally apply. <laughs> Whereas women often would say, look at a, a job posting and be like, mm, no, I, you know, I can't really confidently say that I, all those things fit. So it's probably not something that's worth my time. And I, I kind of look at like, it's very scary. I think about like the first time I was driving to the University of Calgary and I'm thinking to myself, they hired me to teach people in the faculty of education about teaching. Like, do they really, <laughs> like, what were they thinking? I and I'm standing in front of my students thinking, oh, wow. But I, but I loved it. And it was incredible. And did I do a perfect job? No. But I think if I thought I had, I probably wouldn't have been a very good teacher if I thought I knew all the things there are to, to learn about or to know about teaching and being an effective teacher. Do I know, do I have expertise? Yes. Am I like the expert of all experts? No, like there's always more to learn. And I think, yeah, looking back, I wish I would have, but I'm, do I wish I would have? I think you kind of have to go through the things, right? I look at the role that I'm doing now. I, when I started with my coworker at SAIT, neither of us really got what our job was. And we actually <laughs> kind of looked at what the position was called and decided it didn't really fit with what we wanted to be doing in the role and what we understood that we were supposed to do. So we came up with a new title. So we were student liaison coordinators. And so we came up with academic engagement facilitators. And we just put that on our email signature until people started calling us our new title. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We decided it wasn't a fit. So, and our director is fantastic there, which is great. We really get to, you know, we don't have someone micromanaging us. We really get to do the work in a way that feels aligned to us and, and get really curious. And do we do per things perfectly all the time? Absolutely not. But we are learning and growing and you don't have to have it perfect. You don't need to know exactly what you're doing. I look at the work I'm doing as a consultant. I mean, even with student teachers, I was supervising student teachers. One year I had seven student teachers who taught entirely in Spanish and I don't understand Spanish, but I was still able to provide feedback and, and support them and, and be a mentor to them and also learn a lot from them. And as a consultant, I've worked, you know, with a franchise. I've worked with a publishing company. I've worked with a manual osteopath. I've worked with a project manager, social entrepreneur. So I don't need to understand all and everything I can apply the things that I do know and then be really curious to be able to work with people in a way that supports them and helps them to achieve their goals and to make a meaningful difference in the world. It doesn't need to be all laid out there. Yeah. 
Well, that's great. And I feel like that's really what your podcast is doing for your listeners is, you know, exactly what you said you would tell your 10 year younger self is just jump in and say yes to some of these opportunities, even if you don't feel like you're the best person for the job, because you will figure things out. And there's always people in your world to teach you the things you don't know yet. And we don't know what we don't know. If we, and we don't know what we need to ask about if we don't say yes to an opportunity where we're where we're presented with challenges we need to solve and questions we need to find answers to. So I think that that's I think like based on you know the episodes that I've been seeing with your people teaching people podcasts is you're really providing a great not only the inspiration and encouragement to say yes to these things we don't necessarily know how to do fully yet, but also the resources, the women, the the men, the people out there who can answer those questions for people, because I think all of your podcast guests are very approachable. They're humans who would answer questions in their field of knowledge. And yeah, just creating a stage to allow them to teach the things they know about. And it's just a fantastic gift that you're giving the world through the people teaching people podcast. So I just thought people should know you the creator, the person behind all of it. And the people and the things that makes you tick and your fabulous parents that did such a great job of creating a, a, a brave risk taker yet and also very calculated. <laughs> Somebody said to me, yeah, like something about just, oh, I had an amazing mentor through the Scotiabank Women's Initiative. And he said to me, I was meant the world like just how you know he would share feedback with me or I'd ask questions and he'd give me some direction and strategy and then I would just do it and like follow through and take that action without fear and I said oh there's a lot of fear (laughs) but it's like doing it despite the fear right it's you know when you presented the opportunity to learn about writing a book like it was something I always wanted to do but it felt super scary but I did it anyways. And it was great, especially with that community of support and like your mentorship and guidance. And I think, you know, a big part of it is when you're doing these uncomfortable things, like the community connection piece for me is so big. And I think a podcast in a way, even though we're not all sitting down beside one another sort of provides that because we're not the only ones that feel a certain way. And it helps when you know that you're not alone right? Like writing a book with others who are also writing a book. Mm -hmm. They're there to encourage you and give you those nudges. And when you feel like giving up, remind you that you can do it. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's so huge to have that community. And I do agree a podcast can be such an effective community building tool. And I know my podcast has been that for a lot of my listeners and yours as well. You know, we listen to podcasts where there, you know, there's interviews of people that are maybe like more uber famous and not approachable, not reachable for the general public. And you don't get that same, you get that same feeling, right? There's something about, you know, those of us who are interviewing people who are literally going to answer every Instagram message they receive or LinkedIn connection request. And, and yeah, it, it creates that sense of community. I just wanted to comment on something you said about when you came into the Fem Authors group because talk about feeling intimidated and feeling like like 
I really hope I don't screw up in front of Tiana. Like I have you coming in and you're, you're a teacher and you're, you know, all the different roles and things that you've been up to and you're looking to me to teach you. And there were lots of times when, you know, I was just like, please give me feedback and help me be better at this. And you did, and you were, and you taught, you taught me so much. And that's a perfect example of what you said you would tell your 10 year younger self is like, you know, you know, and I've had clients that have um, worked with me that I just feel are so out of my league in a lot of ways. They've, you know, done all this schooling and have all these master's degrees and whatever. And I don't have any of that, right? I'm, I'm just, this is just me. And I teach what I know. And I don't have, you know, really any formal training other than, you know, proof in the pudding. And here, I've done this. And would you like me to show you how like, that's how I operate. So, you know, we figure these things out, we say yes to opportunities that scare us. And it's only good things that comes from that. So yeah. Well, I hope I wasn't too scary. I you loved being scary. in the like, community. I just, yeah, I, I know. I was like, okay, don't mess it up, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely, yeah, no. What I, I don't think there, like when you're looking at opportunities to learn, like there's not a certain type of person to learn from or a certain, you can learn something from anybody yes. and everybody and True. i admire so much how you walk the talk so i i think you have built this incredible community and it's it's a lot of the things that we do to be successful in business in life are not things that we learn in a book <laughs> in fact those are the things that we most often forget like i don't remember a lot of what I learned. I mean, I was a science teacher. And if someone asked me to teach chemistry 30 tomorrow, I would have to study. <laughs> the things that we remember are those things that we really experience and have to work through. And I am so appreciative of your wisdom and how you shared what you learned through your own experiences with learning how to write and publish a book. And we're willing and open to share that with a group of us. And how you created like that really safe space for learning, because it's scary and uncomfortable to kind of put up your hand and say, okay, I'm going to say that I'm going to write this book. Bah! Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. How do I, like, where do I start? I don't think I really have time. Like, you know, all that self-doubt creeps in. And so you so beautifully like showed up and walked us through like with your own example and experience and created a space where we could say we were struggling or having a hard time. We could ask questions like there. I never felt like if I asked a question, it was going to be seen as like a dumb or obvious question. Like, why is she even asking? Like, it felt very safe and comfortable. And I think that's really what learning experiences are all about. And it's because learning, effective learning, it's mo so much more about feeling than fact, mm -hmm. right? It's about feeling comfortable and safe to take those risks, to make mistakes, to mm -hmm. have a setback and then, you know, make those strides forward and to feel like you're being supported and encouraged and you provided all of those things. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying all of that. I really appreciate that. And a lot of, you know, the feedback that you gave me went into this book. And of course, your 
author story is in this book as well. Um, and so I do appreciate you um, being willing to, you know, turn around and then invest back into me a little bit by answering some of my feedback questions and helping me make everything that I'm doing a little bit better. So yeah, you, you definitely came into my life for many reasons. And a big one was just to help me be a better teacher because you have such an incredible skill set in that area. And then, you know, obviously on a regular basis, you're interviewing all these other people and, and helping them teach through your platform, your podcast. So thank you for that and all the work that you do. And yeah, is there anything else that you wanted to share with your listeners about yourself <laughs> or anything at all before we wrap it up? Uh, I, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. As I said, I was scared to think about the, the fact that somebody would actually listen and then, you know, wondered if anybody would listen. And it's so amazing to have people actually listen and to have people say yes to coming on as guests. It feels pretty amazing. So I feel really fortunate for the opportunity to have this community and have it be a part of what I do. And yeah, so thank you to anyone who's been a part of this crazy little adventure of mine. Yeah, which is just growing like you, you have such a, a quickly growing listenership and you have, yeah, every time you interview a new person, you're, you know, the ripple effect from that being exposed to their audience and their people that they bring into your world. It's podcasting is just such an incredible tool. And it, it blows my mind a lot of the time how how quickly it builds relationships with people. Like when you say, hey, like, you know, I, I just met a couple ladies at this event. And to be able to say to them, I've just so enjoyed our brief little conversation here. And you, know, you do a little research about them quickly on your phone, you go to their website, you look at their social channels, and then you're like, yeah, I want this person on my podcast. And it's such a, it's kind of like inviting them for lunch, but <laughs> on like a, a bigger scale, because then they're so excited to share their stories and share, you know, the things that they have to teach to other people on a platform where they don't really have to do any work. They just show up and talk. And it's, it's just such a gift that we as podcasters are, are giving to them. And like we said earlier, if you don't enjoy it, it's not going to work out. But if you do enjoy it, like what an amazing gift to give to these people. Well, and it's, you know, even when I sat down with my mom and dad, so there's going to be an interview coming out in the beginning of February with my, my parents to sit down and have like a really engaged, meaningful discussion when there's not, you know, a lot of other people around or 50 other things that you're kind of on your yeah. to-do list or, you know, how often do we really get to do that? So mm -hmm. to me, it's pretty, it's pretty special, like to sit down and just have these really cool, interesting, amazing conversations with people like that. Otherwise, I might never have a conversation with right yeah. like oh, yeah. I've got to have like a conversation with you and then since that got to know you better and yeah it's been a way to connect and get to know people better sometimes it's that conversation and that's all and then mm. sometimes it turns into like a friendship or you know a collaboration opportunity or something like that but it's just even the in the moment itself for that time, like being able to sit down and have that 
that doesn't happen all the time in our sometimes way too busy, crazy, hectic lives. Like it, it's a, it, it really is a gift. Yeah. I would say to people who are thinking, as I know there's still a ton of people out there that are thinking about starting a podcast, like pretty much every entrepreneur I talk about either has a podcast or wants to start a podcast. I've never heard anyone say they don't want to have a podcast. And I think that they all need to do it. I think they really all need to do it because it's not about market share and how well is your podcast going to do compared to others. It is not about that. It's about how many more conversations, meaningful conversations are you going to have in the next 12 months if you just do a podcast? And what are you going to get out of it? And, and I say commit to it for a year. And at the end of the year, if you're like, that was a huge waste of my time, I'm not doing that anymore, then don't. But I don't think most people are going to feel that way, you know? Yeah. And it and, and with anything new, there's a learning curve. Hmm. But there's lots of people you can ask questions to. Like, right. I, I mean, you've learned and tweaked and like refined how you do your co- podcast over the years. Oh my gosh, how I started to where it is now. I learned a lot along the way. Yeah, and I, like I started it, I was 41 sitting in my basement office, you know, having these conversations. Like if I can do it, anybody can. It's, yeah. Is, are, is there going to be a li- bit of a learning curve in the beginning? Yes. But it's like anything, right? It's, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you'll you figure things out and ask questions. There's lots of people that can help you. And the tools that are available now are so much better than when we would have started, right? So, yeah. yeah. And it's going to, it's probably going to be overwhelming for someone who doesn't, you know, sit down with someone like you or I and just, pick their brain and basically find that kind of like step-by-step system because there are so many ways to do a podcast, so many platforms and, and things, but, you know, find someone who just give you their steps and just follow their steps and don't worry about all the other ways there are to do it and just, just do it and enjoy the conversations and take what you can from them and leave what you don't need and, and hope that at least five people listen, you know, a month and guaranteed at least five people will listen a month. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because people get curious, right? Mm -hmm. People get curious. And it means it is, you know, with some episodes, I'll get like a couple comments and stuff like that. And it's not even about that, right? But sometimes there can even just be like one little message you get from someone or a conversation that you have with someone after the fact about an episode that they heard or whatever it may be. Or sometimes you might not even know the impact that it's had, or you might have no idea who's listened or heard it, but it can really make a difference for someone. You have Mm -hmm. no idea, right? As you mentioned, the ripples that can come, that can come from other people, hearing people share their stories and share about who they are, their journey, their wisdom, and you can make even just the smallest positive little difference out there in the world. Definitely. Well, this has been really fun. Thank you. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for being the interviewer today. I really appreciate it so much. And I'm going to like switch back a little bit to, to my old role. But if people want to find out about you and all the stuff you're up to, where can people find you? Yeah, yycfempreneurs.com and on Instagram at yycfempreneurs. Thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate you asking me all the tough questions. (laughs) Anytime. Thank you for listening to the People Teaching People podcast. 
I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiana Fesh and on my website, tianafesh.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore all things teaching and learning together. Thank you.